Well, good morning. Uh, thanks for your flexibility on start time. There are there are some days when uh, we're running a little bit late, and the uh, the blame rests squarely on the shoulders of the preacher. Uh, I don't think that was the case this morning, and uh, it was more likely um, the announcements that we have. And it's tough because we've got a lot of important things to to talk about during announcements, and so I just want to I just want to make sure that uh, you're not sitting there thinking that Pastor Tim was uh, the the reason for our delay. Um, if you need to blame somebody, feel free to blame me. That's fine. Um, sure. Yeah. If if you need to throw things, go. That's fine. Okay. So we are we're going to get started uh, as we continue in our one another series uh, this morning. We're looking at a verse that we've already looked at, but a command contained within that verse that we've not really considered. Uh, so. Before we start, being that our command for this morning is pray for one another, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity we have to be here. Uh, Firstly, to to sing praises to you, to lift our voices together uh, and recognize that you are high and lifted up, but also to hear from you and your word uh, as we hear Pastor Tim preach. Uh, We're thankful for that opportunity, Uh, but now we're thankful even for the time that we can consider your word together, Uh, and we ask that you would would be with us in this time, that you would guide and direct us, help us us to think rightly about your word, uh, about what it requires of us, and even empower us by your spirit to that end. So we pray that you'd be glorified among us this morning and that you would conform us more to the image of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. So we, we, have, we have no lack of things for which to pray. Uh, in our own lives, we could consider things like the battle with sin, wisdom in decisions, loved ones who know and don't know the Lord, Faithfulness, strength to do well what God has called us to do. And the list goes on. A prayer is one way of admitting our need, not only to ourselves, I think, but also to God. And so we, we could also say the opposite, that not praying reveals the things which we think we can handle without God. And, and so I, I guess the conclusion that we should draw from that is to say that may it be said of us that we are a people quick to pray. We can and should pray for one another as we will look at from James chapter 5, verse 16 this morning. I've shared a quote at the prayer gathering from J.C. Ryle who said, He loves me best who loves me in prayer. And that has been a bit of a challenge to me. Uh, because it has caused me to think, well, who, who am I loving by praying for them? And that then leads to, well, how, do I know what I should be praying for uh, with the people around me? 
So I'll just even ask you, are you aware of the needs of those around you and how you can pray for them? Are you aware of those things? If not, a good entry would either be the prayer points and the need to know, I already talked about them a little bit this morning, but also the prayer gathering. One or both of those things will help you know the needs that exist in our body, the things that, that people are, are asking prayer for. And then you can pray for them and in that way love them. I think as well, home groups also allow this sort of knowledge in one another's lives, but it also gives the deeper relational intimacy as you spend time with one another, open the Word together, and, and then spend uh, time sharing and praying for one another. So if you're looking to pray for one another more and better, consider any of the ways that I've already mentioned. Uh, That said, after a few more introductory comments, I would like for us to consider how Scripture teaches us to fulfill the command that we see in James chapter 5, verse 16, that says simply, pray for one another. So even, even as I discuss a few more introductory comments, feel free to start thinking of Bible verses that either model for us or instruct us how we are to pray for one another. Okay, so Bible verses, Old, New Testament, that instruct us how it is that we are to pray for one another or uh, model for us the way in which we should be doing that. So James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. We've considered that one already. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Donald Whitney says this, Believers are commanded in James 5 to pray for one another. In the immediate context of that passage, the mutual intercessions include that you may be healed. It's a paragraph about praying in faith for those who are sick. But the rest of the New Testament makes it clear that the responsibility for Christians to pray for one another isn't limited to prayers for the sick. Repeatedly, the Apostle Paul pleads, Brothers, pray for us. For example, you can see 1 Thessalonians 5.25, 2 Thessalonians 3.1. His letters to churches testify of his prayers for them. For example, Ephesians 1.15-23 or Colossians 1.9-14. Do you realize that even Jesus himself asked for prayers from Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane? It's in Matthew 26, verse 38, but also 40-41. through 41. Whitney continues, one of the chief characteristics of the church in Jerusalem after Pentecost was that they devoted themselves to the prayers. Acts 2.42. And so he asks, can anyone doubt that those corporate prayers included much prayer for each other? While intercession for others may have become more common among the believers after Pentecost, It wasn't unusual in the Old Testament period. For instance, the prophet Samuel assured his fellow Israelites, 
Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. That raises the bar a bit. That's 1 Samuel 12, 23. So, so given that the, the, the burdens of uh, bearing the burdens of others in prayer is characteristically Christian, how should we go about praying for one another? In, in this one another command, James teaches us to pray for healing. This is good, good and important. However, most of the prayers in the New Testament are of another kind. And, and that's what I'd like to focus on today. I would like to spend time together looking at different passages on prayer and about prayer to see exactly how we should be praying for one another. Um, praying for others is important because it fills this New Testament command. We are to pray for all people as commanded in 1 Timothy 2.1. We're to pray for government leaders in 1 Timothy 2.2. We're to pray for unsaved in 1 Timothy 2.3. We're to pray for fellow Christians, Ephesians 6.8. We're to pray for ministers of the gospel, Ephesians 6.19-20. We're to pray for the persecuted church, Hebrews 13.3. Praying for others gets our focus off of ourselves and onto the needs of those around us. And so as we carry each other's burdens, we will fulfill the law of Christ, as Galatians 6.2 says, and we will do that by praying for others as we seek to build up the body of Christ. Now, I, I plan for us to look at a lot of passages today. I have quite a few passages listed, but I'm hoping that you not only have thought of those passages, but have others that I haven't thought of. Uh, and so I, I want to just consider them together. So if you have a passage in mind... I'd like for us to read it together and then just glean from it how it is that we are to pray for one another, whether it is teaching us or modeling for us. Now, you're, you're not going to have to, I, I don't think you will have to turn to every single one of the passages that we mention. You can if you want. We can maybe do some sword drills. You can write them down for reference to look at later so that you can, um, based on those passages, uh, pray for someone and, and pray for them on exactly what that passage teaches. So that said, I'd like for us just to jump in and, and go throughout Scripture. Kimber. You already mentioned the passage in Colossians 1. Uh, it starts at 9. Okay. But it starts out, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, which is talking about referring back to their faith. Um, so since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding mm. so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Mm. And, and then it goes on, but I just thought... So often in prayer meetings, I, I felt like we do pray for a lot of physical ailments, which yeah. is good, and we should do that. But I thought, how often are we praying for the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and discernment? Yeah. And the result being the following verse, that right. you're going to be walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
if you know what the knowledge of his will is and, and so on. Yeah, and that, uh, that, that's an amazing passage to consider. So that's Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9. I mean, you could go all the way down through 14. Um, but specifically, Kimber's looking at, at verse 10. Uh, verse 9, end of verse 9 and verse 10, um, where it says that Paul is praying for the Colossian church, and, and a Colossian, the letter to the Colossians was a circular letter, so it wasn't just written to the church at Colossae, it went to other churches as well, as well and it's, in, it's meant to instruct us today. So he says, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking, and so, so what exactly is Paul praying for this church, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do we pray like that for one another? I mean, if, if we're honest, we could write it down for Wednesday. That's a great idea. That's, wow. I'm going to do that. Um, can anyone maybe, as I'm writing that down for Wednesday, to be one of the regular things that we're praying for, um, and if you want to come to the prayer gathering Wednesday at 6.30 to pray for one another, we can fulfill this command together. Um, what do you think Paul means when he says he's praying that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Consider that for a second. I need to take a note here. Anyone have any thoughts? Filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Sure. I missed the last part of that, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even later Paul talks about praying without ceasing. I think this maybe was one of the things that he was praying without ceasing. Because he says, we have not ceased to pray for you. So filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, Mark, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it has to do with, with discernment. Um, and I think even another verse that goes on to help us with this is, is Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we're not conformed but transformed. And the so that that Paul eventually gets to in Romans 12, 2, is that so you, by testing, you may be able to um, discern what is the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, so Paul is praying that, that the Colossians, specifically anyone who's reading this letter more broadly, would know, A, would know God, but then also know how God desires for them to live. And, and the so that, the, 
that comes in verse 10 is that they would be able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. I think, I mean, I think there's a lot there. But if we're praying for one another, that we would be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, what's going to, what's going to come from that is that we will together walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That, that's our desire, right? As, as Christians, our desire is that we would glorify God. So we can help one another do that by praying for one, or, one another in this way. Justin. Yeah, and, and so this, I think this prayer, as, as Justin is saying, is it's more than earthly focused. There's, there's more yet to come that we will not realize here on this earth that, that God is working in us in amazing ways. But as we, as we pray for one another in this way and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, our sights are set to heaven where all will be made new. And we, well, we won't need to pray for one another in this way in heaven. Um, I, you know, that's an interesting thing to consider. Will we pray in heaven? Anyway, Kimber. I guess, you know, when I, when I think about having the knowledge of his will, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think of how, you know, I guess as I've started working with the youth again after many years of not working with the youth, mm-hmm. my prayer for them has been that they won't, they, they, they know a lot of Bible stuff. Sure. And so they've got their heads, they've got knowledge, mm-hmm. but do they know how then to, do they know how to walk yeah. in a manner worthy of the Lord? Is it, is it becoming not only in their head, but part of their lives? Mm-hmm. Are they internalizing it, taking yeah. it and digesting it? So that's been my prayer for the, the youth as I started working with them. Yeah. So, so when we started this class, um, one of the things in the introduction that I mentioned uh, was this idea of head, heart, hands. That, that what we believe, the, the truth that we confess in our minds, must reach our hearts in, in such a way that it, it, it stirs our affections. And, and our affections, our, our loves are being directed towards the risen Christ. But then, you know, it's not enough to know, it's not enough to love. It, it then takes our hands getting to work. And, and I think one of the ways that our hands get to work is praying for one another in this way. So, so it's, it's not simply about intellectual assent. It's not a list of facts that we are to know. Yes, lists of facts are great. We need to know the God whom we serve. And, and we need to know Him as accurately as we can. However, if our love is not deepened by our knowledge then we're doing it wrong. Because even the demons know who God is. They don't love Him. We are called to love Him and then also called to, to, to put our hands to work in, in these ways. Craig. Just thinking about praying for somebody or for people this way. Yeah. 
reminder to pray not for ourselves in that same, you know, if we're going to pray for others for that, it's like, well, I also need to acknowledge that Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a, that's a good prayer for ourselves as well. Um, and so we, you know, we need to pray for for us individually, but also pray for the body in this way. Okay. We we could spend all of our time on that on that passage, and we would be benefited. But we should consider some others as well. Um, I, I want to consider the example of Jesus because Jesus often prayed for others. So can anyone think of an example in the Gospels that uh, we see Jesus praying for someone, uh, and then we will look at that passage to see how he modeled how we are to pray for one another. Isaac? John 17. You went went to the pinnacle. That's um, just the best one. Um, and, and, and I say it's the best one because there's a promise in congruence with Romans chapter 8 um, that says that Jesus is still praying this prayer for us today as he makes intercession for us. He does not stop in this intercession for us. Did you have a specific verse in mind, Isaac? Because the entire thing is a prayer. There's a, there's a specific portion of it. Okay, all but verse 1 is a prayer. The first half of verse 1. There's a specific portion of it where he is praying for others. Any verses in mind? Seventeen, and again, the pinnacle within the pinnacle. So John 17.17 says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So this is Jesus praying for us that the Father would sanctify us in truth. And he says, your word is truth. So what is Jesus modeling for us there in that prayer that we should then take and pray for others? Absolutely. As we read the Word of God, we become more like the Lord Jesus. And so he's praying that that would take place among us. Are we praying in that way for one another? That we would be sanctified in truth? What, what does sanctify mean in this context? Yeah, it's the same root as holy. So Jesus is praying that we would be holy, that we would be set apart that we would be different. Yeah, set aside for God's purpose. So when he says, sanctify them in truth, we don't have to wonder what truth is. Because he tells us. He says, your word is truth. And so, I think, what it is that we are to take from the model of Jesus here in John 17, 17, is that we should pray for one another to be sanctified in truth. That we, should, that we should pray for one another to know the Word of God. But again, as we discussed from Colossians 1, not simply a head knowledge, but one that comes out in our affections and in our work. 
So Jesus is praying that we would be holy. Do we pray for one another's holiness? I mean, I, I struggle in praying for my own holiness, let alone your holiness. But we should, right? All right, any other thoughts? Uh, we've got more examples to consider. Mm-hmm. That should be, it needs to be happening in our life. Yeah. Um, I just think about the Colossians, about getting rid of it, like yeah. getting rid of this and putting on this. And yeah, put off the old, put on the new. Sanctification, so Craig was saying sanctification is a process, and I think one of the ways that we help one another in this process is praying in this way for one another. Okay. Um, there's another example in John 17. Uh, let's look at verse 11, and then we can think of some other examples from the Gospels. I've got a few others listed. So John 17:11 says, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Uh, what is Jesus praying for there? Unity. Do you realize Jesus is still praying for our unity? I think that's kind of a big deal. But, but he gives it theological grounding. He says that they may be one even as we are one. So, so if we are considering what Jesus is saying there, the doctrine of the Trinity comes up, and we understand that Jesus is everything the Father is except Father. He, he, they are one God. And so, he's praying, even as we are one, there's no way to separate the Son from the Father. And so the unity that Jesus is praying for is a strong unity. And, and we've talked about unity, I think, a bit already in, in our time together in weeks before. Um, that, that it is something that Jesus has won for us in His victory on the cross. We're not, we're not trying to conjure up this unity. It's already been established. We're just called to walk in it. And there is to be no division among us because we are so united in Christ that lesser things fall to the wayside. Other examples from the Gospels that you would consider that we can learn from the model of Jesus in praying for others. See, I had the benefit of sitting in my study and, you know, thinking, oh, I wonder what all these verses... Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Mm. And that, uh, is that Matthew... He, okay. <laughs> Forgive them for they know not what they do. Is that synoptic? No? We don't know? Um, let's, yeah. We've got, we've got, I've got internet connection.
Luke 23, 24. You know what? I had that verse listed. Why didn't I just look up? Luke 23, 24. I was in Matthew. Give me one second. It's not that? Google was wrong? Oh, 34. I, I read it wrong. Google was not wrong. Whew. 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What can we learn from the model of Jesus there in praying for others? What is he praying for? What, how should we pray in light of that? So praying, praying that we would have hearts ready to forgive. I, I don't know about you, I'm not always quick to be ready to forgive. If you are, <laughs> praise the Lord. Maybe you don't need to pray for this, but you probably do. Uh, and so the, this is another, another way that Jesus is modeling for us how we should pray. Uh, while we're in Luke as well, this will be the last from the Gospels before we move on. Uh, to some of the epistles. Luke 22, 31-32 says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. What does Jesus pray for Peter? And how should we pray in light of it? Luke 22, 31-32. What does Jesus model for us in praying, and how should we pray in light of that? He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Yeah. No. (laughs) He says that your faith may not fail. (laughs) We'll talk at lunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. So Jesus is praying that Peter would remain steadfast under temptation. That, that he would, he would you know, not be tempted to, to go away from uh, trusting in God. He says, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Now, did that happen? Did that happen? Uh, that's another conversation, Craig. You weren't supposed to ask that question. <laughs> um, and so, the idea, I think, that we are to learn from that is that we should pray the same thing for one another. Pray that we would remain steadfast under temptation. I think, if we're honest, we would all say we face temptation. And so we should be praying for one another that our faith may not fail. 
Yeah? Right? And that is a prayer we, we should also be praying for ourselves, remaining steadfast under temptation. Yes? With, with the next section of that verse, okay, he's praying that, that Peter's faith wouldn't fail, but then the rest of the verse, and when you have once turned again, strengthen your brother. So, yeah. <laughs> he knew. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he knew, and then he knew that he was going to come back, you know, like... He, this is what you're going to do after you have yeah. faltered in your faith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's even, Craig, to answer your question, even in his, what he's saying to Peter, he's recognizing you're going to fall to this temptation. But the model still stands, I think, that we should be praying for one another, that our faith may not fail. What about examples from uh, the rest of the New Testament? doesn't have to be gospel-related. I have a whole bunch of... I think they're mostly Paul. Yeah, actually all Paul. Um, but he wrote 13 letters of the 27. So, Any examples from the New Testament that model for us what to pray or instruct us exactly how to do it? Yes. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read that so everybody can hear. And you read which verses? Yeah, so after the, um, the armor of God, he goes on to say in 18 of Ephesians 6, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints, and also for me, that words, would be given, words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. There's a few things in that. Uh, any, anybody will call some of them out. What is Paul saying we should be praying for one another there? I didn't hear that. To be bold. So he says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel. Do you pray for evangelistic opportunities for yourself and for those around you? As Paul is saying, he says, he's saying, pray this for the church at Ephesus, but pray also for me. Now, I... I don't know about you, but I'm no Paul when it comes to evangelism. Paul is asking that this group of people would pray for him. That he would be able to share the gospel. If Paul needed it, <laughs> you better believe we need it. Right? He was in and he was in prison. Hoping to get out so that he could share the gospel to get thrown back into prison. Anything else from that passage? Keep alert. Making supplication for all the saints. Make the requests known to God. 
praying in the Spirit. What does that mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, in so let's praying at all times in the Spirit, uh, as he has alluded to prior to that. Uh, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which one can ex- extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Um, there could be a couple possibilities here where the most previous usage of spirit is referring to the word, so the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, could be making reference to that we should be praying scripture for one another. Kind of likely, I guess, with the context. Uh, but also I think um, as Galatians... As somewhere in Galatians says, um, that we are to be filled with the Spirit. So I, I think what Paul is talking about is that our minds would be controlled in such a way, not, not by ourselves, but rather um, by the Spirit's influence over us, which comes primarily through the Word, so there's connection there as well. Um, praying all times in the Spirit, uh, not praying for things that... Um, I guess are earthly, I, and and I'm not, I can't think of a better word, but um, but praying for things that would lead to godliness and being filled with the Spirit rather than acquiring things on earth. Yeah, right. Yeah, so an aspect and level of confession, possibly. Yes, Romans 8. Great passage. You said 27? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So even yeah, a level of dependence, even, even our prayer requires the Spirit's empowering in our lives. So if we're praying to be empowered for, or, or so, to boldly proclaim the Gospel, even praying that prayer requires the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do so. Uh, and there are also times that we don't know what to pray for, and you know we babble along and pray, and it doesn't really make sense, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Um, we have a translator who is able to, to, to translate our babblings even into prayers that make sense. 
How about Ephesians chapter 1? Got a couple in Ephesians, so let's park there for a few minutes and spend some time looking at Ephesians 1. We'll look at verses 16 to 21. says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. What is Paul praying for the Ephesian church there, and what should we learn from it? That's good. So there's there's a knowledge that gives us courage, I guess is how I would I would summarize what you're saying. Um, so he says, the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having your eyes enlightened, know the hope, what are the riches, the immeasurable greatness, and and so this knowledge of God that we are. That, that Paul is praying for in those uh, at the church at Ephesus should lead to them being confident of who they are in Christ. And, and so even, even so confident where he goes on to say that um, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So Paul's praying for the same power to exist in us that brought Jesus back from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So, so I think from that, Paul is, is trying to encourage them and give them a confidence in not only the work of Christ, but, but in the work that they're doing because of the work of Christ. And it, it again starts with knowledge, but leads to getting to work. Thoughts on this passage? Yes.
Yeah, and that's, that's a great cross-reference. Uh, Romans 8.11 If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. How about Ephesians chapter 3? Let's look at verses 14 through 21. So a couple pages to the right. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Alright, we don't have to wonder. Okay, he's telling us exactly why he's doing it. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that, according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What is Paul modeling in that passage and what are we to learn from it? How is he praying? seems like he's praying for like fulfillment and completion um, application could be um, you know if we're feeling as if you know insecure or um, wavering in whether it's our faith or how we represent Christ or things of that nature um, that is his love is enough and so we can pray in this way for that holy you know, all-encompassing security that he can provide mm. yeah so um, I think Morgan is drawing there from where it says being rooted and grounded in love, uh, that that is something that would, would grip us. Uh, something that would, um, it, as Paul is praying for them, that they would be secure in that, not looking for satisfaction or completion anywhere else except in what Christ has already done, what he has already accomplished. Um, and, and so then, praying for them so that they would be, would be as Paul says, rooted and grounded in that love of God for them and be emboldened um, by it. Other thoughts?
Yeah, and and so just just to simply meditate on the fact that um, the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives in us. And so because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are united to Christ, and, and even as it says, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Um, and so there's, there's, some, there's some deep stuff going on there. We are united to Christ by the Spirit, but also empowered by the Spirit to go on and do what the rest of the verse says. Strength to comprehend, uh, to know the love of God, be filled with the fullness of God. Um, and, and, and so it's the Spirit in us that is accomplishing these things uh, in, within us so that we would be able to live according to them. So I, I, I think just even basically what it is that we are to be praying for based on this passage, um, according to the riches of His glory, that He may grant you to be strengthened with, the power, with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So, so we should pray for one another that we would be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think if we do, um, God's going to answer prayers like that. Like obviously, we need to pray for ourselves that, that this would be true, but how much, how much more do we need to be praying this for one another? I think we need to remember that, that these letters are written to churches. And, and so the, the command that is being expressed is that the church would pray for one another in this way. And, and so it's not, it's not like this... Um, this individualistic of like idea that, that says, you know what, I got this letter from Paul, he wrote it to me, I need to pray this you know, just for myself. We need to pray this for one another. I mean, we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what God has called us to do. And I, I love how it, it finishes, now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. You know, we're asking these things of God, but, but He's able to do much more. And so we need uh, the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be able to do these things. Um, I've got four minutes left. Uh, yeah. Just one quick thing. It's interesting, uh, it talks about in uh, verse 17, you being rooted and grounded in love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, we need to be grounded. Uh, we've already looked at sanctify them in truth. We need to be grounded in in the revelation that God has given to us, uh, but rooted and grounded in love. And I think this is the love of God for us. So, all right, one more. Um, You brought up Colossians. Were we? Um, mm. Colossians or Philippians? Philippians one. All right. 
Um, so Philippians 1, 9 through 11. He says that it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Dr. Valerian. Thanks, Dr. Valerio. Uh, the, the definition for prayer that I've been using at the prayer gathering is prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. Um, and, and so all of those things, including pouring out our hearts to God, needs to be present in our prayers. Um, I, I, I mean, I have to say something about this passage because it's amazing. Um, Paul prays that their love may abound more and more. I mean, we could stop there and pray for days on that. But he continues, with, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. Again, we need to know the Word of God. Yeah, yeah, Mark. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, so praying for one another that, that we would have this deep knowledge. And I think, so there's basically three things that, that Paul is praying for. Love, knowledge, and purity. Um, we should pray for one another's love, knowledge, and purity. And let's do that right now to close. <laughs> Father, we ask that you would be with us in this process of praying for one another. We're thankful that you uh, have even required this of us, and I pray that you would help us to be faithful in it. Uh, increase our knowledge of your will. Increase our knowledge of, of who you are, uh, but then help that to come out in how we live. Uh, we pray as well that you would um, help us to, to be pure, that you would help us to be holy, that you would, by your Spirit, uh, help us to um, accurately reflect uh, the image of God, uh, that you would make us more like your Son. And again, God, we ask that you would help us in this, that you would help us to love, um, and even as Paul says, may it abound more and more. May we be known for our love one for another. Uh, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.